Yes. Welcome to Games Quest. My mission to talk about video games. My name is Matt Bauer and this is episode 9. Happy New Year listeners. 2018 is over and I hope you've had a good start into 2019. Uh, I have decided to spend this year's first episode on a look back at the, to me, most interesting developments in gaming. So I want to cover a few topics and also think about what they could mean for the future. But before I start, I just wanted to thank you for giving my podcast a listen. If you do like it and find the time, please leave a review or let me know what you think by Twitter. Uh, it's at Matt2314. Matt2314. And I, I genuinely want to know what people like and also what they don't like. Um, a little feedback on the topics, the episode duration, or whatever you can think of. It would really help me out a lot. I'm also thinking of bringing on some guests in the future, so maybe you are connected to the games industry in any way and you have a topic that you would want to discuss or you can suggest somebody else who you think would be a good fit. Either way, just drop me a line and we'll talk about it. But now, let's get started. Number one, and just note that those are not ranked or anything, um, is loot boxes. While 2017 seemed to be the year of loot box hiccups, I'm thinking about Middle Earth, Shadow of War, and uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, um, 2018 seemed to be the year of companies trying to find the right balance. Uh, at least when it comes to AAA games. The new legislation in Belgium has set a precedent that gambling authorities have an eye on loot boxes now. And the industry is better off to regulate itself, or it will face stronger legal barriers along the way. So it's just like the US rating system in the 90s, when the industry acted upon the fear of stronger regulations. And I have the feeling that we saw some of that uh, in 2018. So uh, this doesn't mean that companies will stop using loot boxes altogether, of course not. But even the IGDA, that's the International Game Developers Association, uh, says that its members should follow three rules when it comes to loot boxes. Do not market loot boxes to children, clearly disclose the odds of different rewards, and educate parents about controls available to them to limit their children's ability to engage with games. I think one other important thing uh, we have witnessed over the year is how Epic managed to earn billions with Fortnite and monetized a free-to-play game without using gambling mechanics, or at least in its successful battle royale mode. Instead, you have to buy seasonal battle passes to participate in the premium progression track, which will give you the better bonuses and rewards. It's an interesting way of a freemium model, which is something that I wrote about earlier this year. I was basically wondering, why aren't there more companies doing something like this? Personally, I think it's a fairer model because you spread the cost of development among the player base instead of relying on a small number of whales to spend huge amounts. It also makes for the better gaming experience if you don't have some extra hurdles in the game that you are meant to overcome with money and chance. 
So I'm hoping that we'll see less predatory mechanics in the future. Maybe 2018 was a turning point for that. I'm not quite sure. And especially the mobile games market still seems to be dominated by that model. Topic number two is new game stores. One of the biggest announcements this year was definitely Epic's new game store on PC. But it's not the only one that thought that the market is ripe for a new competitor to Valve. Um, before Epic, Hungergate launched Cartridge and Discord went the next step after already replacing Steam's social component for many players and um, start selling games directly on its platform. Um, there are probably a few others that I'm forgetting right now. Um, and while some people might hate the idea of splintering their games library over many different stores, I think it already is reality for many anyway. I mean, I already buy games on Xbox, PlayStation, Steam, Itch, Google Play, whatever. And also Epic has such a drawing power with Fortnite that for many it's their first game launch anyway. So I'm sure that it will do just fine selling other games as well. The more interesting point is the mobile market that Epic wants to conquer as well. It already bypassed Google Play on Android, and so it wants to bring the full store experience to Android as well. I think that's tough, just as Amazon experienced. Their store is on their own devices, but who else would ever use it? But of course, Epic has the killer app to bring the people in. And they're also partnering with phone companies to have it pre-installed because they want to have the killer app as well. So all this is riding pretty much on the success of Fortnite now. And it might just work. We'll see. Of course, for developers, Epic offers a bigger cut of the revenue compared to Valve. So it seems to be a win for developers. Right now, developers want to be on the Epic Store because it's a way to stand out. Uh, currently, there's hardly any competition for the player's attention on there. But that will change and their library will grow. So in the long run, a new store makes publishing harder. On which platform do you want to come out? Which ones are worth the extra work? And I think it will be very interesting to see the first uh, case studies and develop a feedback on that. The last store I want to mention is Microsoft's own Windows Store. Phil Spencer said this year that he will take on a bigger leadership role and improve the Microsoft Store. I've mentioned in a previous episode that with bringing Game Pass to PC, Microsoft really has a good chance to become a more important storefront on there and uh, become the first real Netflix of games. But more on that a bit later. Of course, this can only work if they also put as much effort into their user experience as Netflix does, which is something that Phil Spencer seems to make a priority now. And that brings us to topic number three, game streaming. I think it still hasn't really landed in a big way, but 2018 certainly was the year it became a major talking point. Uh, and more than ever, it looks like there will be no way around it in the future. Microsoft has talked about Project X Cloud, which in connection with Game Pass could really be the first proper Netflix for games, in the sense that you can start a game on your console and continue it on another device exactly where you left off. Now. Ubisoft CEO Yves Guimau said in June that streaming will be the next big thing in gaming technology. Of course, knowing very well that they would bring Assassin's Creed to 
Google's project stream later in 2018. So it makes sense that Google would want in on that market as it has the resources and it's already in the business of selling content. And similar tech companies could join them like Amazon or Facebook. Um, Microsoft might be a step ahead in terms of content, not just because it already has established relationships with many developers and publishers, but I think they also saw the need for a lot of niche content, just like Netflix produces now. And I think that may have been what triggered their studio shopping spree last year, at least to some extent. Um, Sony is the only big player who already has a functioning streaming service. They actually did a lot of stuff early on, like including PlayStation Now with their TVs. Uh, but maybe the market wasn't quite ready for that at the time. To me, it seems that they are waiting a bit on what the others are doing before making any more big moves on that front. Uh, Guimot said that the next console generation could be the last one. And I tend to agree with him. Um, right now, bandwidth restrictions mean that the hardcore gamer still wants the dedicated hardware to get the best 4K fidelity. But I think the streaming services want to go after a wider audience. Mobile gamers, younger gamers who grew up with content being readily available anytime, anywhere. And at the end of the next generation, technology will be caught up and even the old school gamers are ready to switch. By then, they will be used to the convenience and the difference in latency and image quality becomes negligible. So some interesting developments over the year and I think some very interesting changes uh, coming in the near future. There are some other trends that are worth mentioning. Uh, Microsoft released the Xbox Adaptive Game Controller. From what I've heard, that is a great tool for many gamers. It also echoes the idea that Microsoft wants to widen the audience. And another trend that continued in 2018 is how China's huge market is becoming very important for a lot of publishers. And also the other way around, that Chinese publishers expanded more visibly into the other markets. I think that's interesting to see how this influences decisions now about platforms and genres. Um, and companies are still kind of figuring out how to market and communicate accordingly. I'm of course thinking about the Blizzard incidents here. But I really don't know that much about either of those topics. I'm going to leave it at that for now. Might be interesting to have a guest on and talk about that in more detail at some point. That's all for today and for 2018. As I haven't been the most consistent podcaster, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it does come. GamesQuest is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public and most other apps. As I've mentioned at the start, I would love to hear any comments or feedback on this episode or GamesQuest in general. Just at me on Twitter, I'm Matt2314 on there. Or if you listen to this on the Anchor app, you can always leave me a voice message. Any other stuff I do, you can find on matt2314.com. Bye for now and thank you so much for listening.